What we do here is go back, 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 back. Welcome, welcome to the Hustle Soul Separate Weekly Podcast dedicated to all of you amazing human beings that tune in every single week or as often as I drop these. <laughs> I really appreciate you guys. I I always say you're the outliers, right? We we are the outliers. You know, we think way outside the box. We couldn't possibly conform true to uh, traditional ways, quote unquote, of societal ways of doing things. You know, we're nonconformists in a lot of ways. And I always say, like, you guys are entrepreneurs and creatives and doers and makers. And somehow, some way, you figure it out that you want to figure it out differently, <laughs> basically. And I really appreciate you guys tuning in every single time. Uh, as I've been addressing a lot of the newer listeners because I've been picking up a lot of newer listeners, and I really appreciate you guys being here. So thank you for being here. I'm the host. My name is Matt Gottesman. Uh, you can always reach out to me on Instagram at Matt Gottesman. I answer every single text, DM, reply, response, so long as I see it pretty much. Uh, and I really appreciate you guys always reaching out. And for the newer listeners, uh, you know, my OGs always know I say this, that like we we don't glamorize success. Uh, we're not going to glorify. We're not going to talk about how amazing all of like, you know, these big stats are because it's not really about the stats. And I always say success is a very arbitrary word. Only you can really define that for yourself. And, and without getting too cliche about it, it's just because success can't be bound to just a metric. It has to be a way you live your life. So who am I or anybody else to tell you what that way of life should be? That's your soul. That's, that's, that's a relationship between you and, and your soul, right? So um, instead, whether I do solo episodes or uh, do these amazing guest episodes like I am today, we talk about, you know, what are we experiencing in real time? Like, what are we you know, finding out about ourselves and who we are and how we're navigating what we're building and what we're growing in, whether it's a the first venture or a 50th venture or, you know, the fifth season, the seventh season, eight, ninth, whatever season of our lives, we're always experiencing something. And I believe in connecting those dots so you guys can all see like we're not so different. We're just maybe in different seasons, but it's all very relatable, right? Humanizing the journey, humanizing the entrepreneurial experience or the creative experience, whatever. But that's really what it's it's meant to stand out as. So thank you guys for being here. I appreciate all the ratings and reviews lately as well, too. Always, please consider, uh, please continue to keep doing that. It means a lot. And uh, we have another incredible episode uh, with a guy who became my instant friend. Uh, you know, you, you ever meet people who like instantly, you're like, oh yeah, we're gonna probably be cool for life. You know, and by the way, as you get older, it's a really cool thing because um, sometimes you think that that's only going to happen when you're much younger. <laughs> so so it's cool when, when that happens. Uh, Woody Woodrow, um, you know, he's a best-selling author. He's a coach, meditation guide, and founding member of the rock band Our Last Night. Uh, an incredible author. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, he wrote, you are the, well, I'll, you know, I'll get into his bio and then I'll, I'll, I'll queue up a little bit what we're going to talk about and then, um, you know, we'll reverse that. Normally we talk about some themes here and I, and then I, I queue up the bio and, and bring him right in. So we're going to be talking about some, you know, a lot of different interesting things. Woody and I went on a, a tear when we first met on, on Zoom and we were talking about our identities, you know, the people we think we are, the people we know we are, the people we're perceived, 
the people, we, where does it align? When do we change seasons? Um, you know, reframing challenging experiences, you know, by asking like, what can I learn? Um, we talked about daily routines, practices, rituals to feel more clear, confident, you know, badass, um, like in our, in our, our own way of moving. Um, and also being the watcher and the observer of our thoughts and our emotions, like really grounding in and like understanding like who are we really, you know, how am I actually perceiving what am I perceiving in this time versus the narrative I might be playing out on myself or on other people, which we all can do until you start to really understand how you flow. Right. Um, and you know, we'll talk about a bunch of other things, but Woody's background is incredible. Uh, I, I love that he sends me like this short bio. Um, I find it's like the most humble people come on the show. It's like, I'll ask like people to come on and like me, you want, you want me to come on the show? It's like <laughs> their backgrounds are so extensive, but they're so humble. Uh, Alex Woody Woodrow, he's a best-selling author of the series. You are the rock star. Um, as well as a coach, yoga and meditation guy, as I mentioned, founding member of the rock band, Our Last Night, one of the biggest independent rock bands on the planet. Uh, and his work empowers others to feel good in their body, gain confidence in their life, and fully own their personal power. And he currently is in Nashville, Tennessee. He's been telling me about it. And uh, it was actually interesting hearing about his, um, his journey within the band, but how it led into meditation. So we're going to actually jump into that here in a minute. What's going on, brother? I appreciate you being here. Dude, it's an honor. Yeah, man. That was, uh, I, the first question is the only one that's ever the same, which you and I went into. And I always say, take us to here to today. Like, you can go as far back as you want. But I loved hearing the journey of, you know, of music and you're in a band. It had some lots of different <laughs> seasons. And then how that led into the yoga. Like, all of it, you can, you can say as much as you want. But for context of why we're going to be talking about these other things, I know the audience would love to hear about your background. Cool. Um, yeah, I just want to say it's a pleasure to be here. Love your show. Love your podcast. And uh, yeah, when we when we first chatted, it was 100% organic and just felt like I knew you for life. So when you know, you know. And exactly. um, and so so I just want to say thanks for having me again. And yeah, to to go back, I mean, it's like grew up in New Hampshire, small town, and you know, not a ton happening. And with some of my best friends in high school, we just started kind of a emo, heavy rock, screamo type of band. <laughs> at the time, I was very much into rap and hip hop and thought it was at least the style of music I enjoyed. But when my buddy chose the band name, Our Last Night, I was like, uh, it's a little, it's a little much for me, but I love you and I'm just going to roll with it. And, you know, that all of a sudden turned into a career. And of course it wasn't overnight. It was one of those things where we started that in around 2004, started playing local shows in New Hampshire. And uh, eventually around 2007-ish, we had interest from a couple of record labels, Epitaph and Solid State. And we, um, we made the decision to go with Epitaph Records and we released three albums with them. And uh, that was, I mean, I, we could do a whole podcast on just like the music industry <laughs> itself, <laughs> yes, <we> but, can. <laughs> like, but like in a nutshell, massive learning experience, because I think a lot of times in our life, we visualize success as a thing that, that um, when we, when we get there, we can pump the brakes and, and kind of when I'm speaking on success in this moment, I'm speaking on it from a perspective of how we view it. And a lot of times we picture it to be something and anyone who's experienced success knows that more often than not, if not every time it looks way different than we expected. 
And so for us, we were like, okay, cool. If we get signed, we made it. So we did. And we kind of pumped the brakes a little bit, at least thinking that we had to be on top of the people that were kind of working with us at the label. And we had done a release of an album called The Ghost Among Us, which did well for our, our debut album. Mind you, we're all super young. Like uh, we signed the contract, I was like 20 years old. Mm. And our singer was like 13. His, uh, his mom co-signed mm. on the deal because he was a minor. <laughs> Um, so we were so like young and just like stoked on life, which was, you know, it was such a beautiful experience to go out on those first couple tours. Like, yeah, we made it. We're a signed band kind of came back to earth after, you know, we started realizing, okay, cool. The record deals aren't necessarily as lucrative as we thought mm. record label funds, a lot of, um, you know, things, let's say from the production of the album to, um, tour support to just random other things. Right. And so you, you don't make money until you recoup from that. Now our deal was, I think it was around like a 70, 30 deal. Um, and, and so we thought we were doing okay, you know, cause we'd make like, like 30% off of our, off of our albums and the label would make 70% and they were making the issue, the initial investment. Now it's funny because you, you think they're going to use the 70% that they got and then throw that towards recouping. But Nope. They throw the whole 100 at it. <laughs> and so if you got a label throwing like 60 G's at the production of an album, then you're not making money until they recover that 60 G's and they're taking all of it. Then you start making your 30%. Um, and again, I think there's been a lot of shifts in the music industry recently um, with, you know, of course, the emergence of blockchain and nfts and real cool stuff like that so i think a lot of labels are shifting and pivoting um now or at least they have to they have to. and yeah like they, they have no choice power is more in the people's hands and i love it so for us we like learned after that first album moving into the second one we were like okay so we got to kind of stay up on people and kind of check in make sure that like you know the fire's still lit under their ass and and so we we dropped the second album didn't really do as well uh, we were stoked on it, but you know, the whole mindset of like produce an album eight months before you drop it. Cause you need a marketing plan has to be a full album. You release one every year and a half. It just was, I don't know, like by the time we released it, I personally felt like the music was a little bit like in the past for us. It wasn't as in the present moment. So we were still stoked on it, but it wasn't as like for the moment we wrote it in. And, and then, you know, we had the experiences of touring and doing all sorts of amazing things all over the country um, for, for a, a number of years. And then we did that third album, which was still, again, we had high hopes, but we kind of wrote it for an audience that wasn't necessarily our fan base. So we kind of wrote it for an audience that didn't exist. We mm. kind of wrote it, um, you know, trying to make it on the radio and stuff. And it, yeah, it, it was great. It was a great experience, but it, it really brought it back to, you know, like, 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 is this success? And, and we had to sit we, we had to really sit with ourselves after a tour in, in 2000, 2013. Yeah, I think it was 2012, 2013. We were on tour. We, and I'll never forget it because we were at this venue in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Pretty sure the name was the Launchpad. If anyone's listening and knows where that is. I don't know if it still exists or not, but we had just played a show and there was like no one there. We were on a tour. We weren't making money. Like, you know, the label was still making money off of whatever CDs we sold. Um, we made money on tour, but it was really going into the gas tank and mm -hmm. we didn't really have a lot to show for it. So 
after, you know, almost a decade of being a band at that point, I guess, you know, you're looking at 2004, 2013. So we were like, do we hang it up? Do we start a new band? What do we do? And at that time we had a, a tour manager who had worked with a lot of YouTube artists to do like covers of top 40 radio songs. And he said, yo, there is a position like essentially there is an angle for more of a heavy rock style band to do top 40 radio pop songs as metal covers. And at first we were like, what the fuck? We're like, we're not doing covers. We're not a cover <laughs> band, you know, like what? No way. So for so long, um, at least previously, we had been like, we're not doing covers. We're never doing that. Um, at that point, we hadn't really heard from our record label. We've been trying to reach out to them. The whole thing hadn't heard from him in like eight months. And we were all trying to get in contact with him because we were like, well, when is our contract up? When can we start maybe doing stuff on our own and not be tied to you guys? So we just said, you know what? Screw it. Let's just try it. Let's do a cover. And we covered Adele Skyfall when that James Bond mm -hmm. movie was out. And we, we filmed this in our studio um, at my buddy's house, legit using a, like we, we had like a dolly, like tripod kind of thing. And we were like rolling it around real ghetto. And that's what we use for like the steady cam look. And we just used the camera that we had and filmed it and, uh, and then produced it ourselves and dropped it. And within four days, it had a quarter million views. And that was better than any video we'd done with Epitaph. And they had like funded them and thrown like, you know, thousands of dollars at these things. And they just, you know, weren't getting traction for whatever reason. And uh, then all of a sudden we were like, well, wait a minute, this is the biggest promotion we've ever had. We had people coming out of the woodwork being like, oh, I forgot about you guys. And, uh, and it's, it's awesome to see you're back again. And we were like, <laughs> been here the whole time. Yeah, like, right. Never um, left, never left. <laughs> yeah, never left. So, so that was a trip. And there was a whole other, you know, side story with that. where like, you know, YouTube was such a new thing. Epitaph thought that they were doing us a favor by claiming the video on YouTube. But, you know, Adele is owned by Sony. So Sony also claimed the video because it was a cover. Therefore, it removed at the time, it removed the video from all mobile devices. So the ability to, for it to be searched or watched on mobile devices became obsolete. So we went from getting, you know, just do the math. We were getting like 70, 80,000 views a day down to like seven. And it just totally cut the head off that viral campaign. So, you know, it, it was just a testament, I think, to us being ready to move on from, from that situation um, with Epitaph. So we had gone into our contract. We're like, okay, we're done by this date. Sweet, we're just going to wait. And then we waited and then released a summer of covers that led into an Indiegogo campaign. We raised a ton of money with our fans, put it all into equipment and merch that we could essentially use as like a, like a fulfillment of the people that, that placed orders almost, we almost did it like a pre-sale to where we could throw that money into like t-shirts and stuff and then send it out to our fans. And that was just a cool representation that, you know, like we're supported and we're not alone. And I think a lot of times when we're going after stuff and we're going through the trials and tribulations of, of life and, and, you know, sometimes it doesn't feel good and we're, we're always supported more than we think. And at least that's where my mind goes because our mind likes to make up a bunch of shit about us and think that we're alone. We're not good enough. We can't do this. We can't have that. And it's, it's, it's an illusion that takes us out of the present moment. It well, takes us out of feeling who we are. Sorry. Go no, on a riff. no, no, I, no, I don't want to interrupt your flow. <laughs> I don't want to interrupt your flow, but it's such a powerful thing that you're saying right there that I think is 
like need to put kind of like a pin pin in that right there is um, it was interesting. I was taking a couple of notes. We were talking because it's interesting how people in positions of power, depending on how they got there and in that old paradigm business, including the music industry and every other industry, um, how a lot of times, you know, that power creates control issues. And that control issues had you guys feeling in a lot of ways trapped because it's not allowing for the organic nature of what you were there to do in the first place. And that friction starts to cause this doubt and fear and all this other stuff. And as society, that also happens in the macro. We won't go on a tear there just yet. But it was just interesting to hear that, you know, it's like, wait a minute, you know, is it us? And it's like, because every time you get somewhere like new, somebody in a controlling power grab place it's like no that's not gonna happen we're doing this for your own good you're like you're doing this for nobody's good not even you really if you think about it but that's a whole interpersonal thing that you aren't even ready for yet uh (laughs) you know we're probably talking to these guys and you're like i want to go there but i can't go there with you because you're not even seeing it um but i think it's interesting that when you were talking about that but it's like you energetically you know it's like you know something you know that there was a the energy shift to be able to observe in that moment and be like the music and the creativity feel right. The circumstances don't. So we have to, instead of falling out of love at this time with the music and doubting ourselves, we have to, you know, kind of assess how are we, you know, doing what we love within how the, the environment is that we've created. Right. So I think right, it was interesting. Right. You guys were like, kind of like, wait a minute, yeah. you know? Well, I, I think also kind of that's, like the backbone of what you were speaking about is our ability to pivot yes and and like to understand that kind of going back what we were saying earlier you know the idea of success it won't always be what we think and i've learned that from performing on stage for like the last 20 years was like i could visualize a show as much as i wanted to but every time i got there there'd be something else there'd be like you know there'd be like yeah. something else right like the stage was smaller than i thought you know or there was cables all over the ground or you know the the PA went out or my guitar went out, anything can happen. And I found after, you know, years of doing this, that it was much more powerful to think about how I wanted to feel rather than how I wanted it to look and kind of supercharging that idea. I found it even more powerful to visualize how I wanted to feel after having done what I did, because I learned that the how and the what it's not important. Yep. It's how you feel that's important because people and people pick up on that. And so, you know, like whether you're on that, like quantum physics frequency, or you're just, you know, believing in whatever you choose to believe in, you know, energy doesn't lie and people feel it and they don't have to know why they just will feel it and they'll feel you. So thinking about how you want to feel after doing something is so important. And if you want to like, launch off to the stratosphere again this is my perspective but if you want to like launch that moment into the stratosphere think about how you want to make other people feel Mm -hmm. because that's the next level stuff where you're like well wait a minute okay i'm going to think about how i want to feel in this moment i'm going to drop in okay cool i'm holding that vision doesn't matter how i get there that's how i'm going to feel awesome hold that but then think about how you want other people to feel and when you make other people's days by showing up, whether it's like a conversation, whether it's you jump down to the barrier, you're playing a live show and you like high five or hug someone, sing along, um, give a hug, literally anything to make them feel special because you want to, 
there's something that happens that just, I, I think it meets one of our basic needs of connection yeah. and, and, and almost significance. And sometimes we meet those in unhealthy ways. And when we meet them in healthy ways, it launches us to another level. So I think meeting them by focusing in a way on how can we make other people feel good is how we meet that need for significance and really create some magic in the moment. And so it's super important. When you're, you're bringing up uh, some really solid points about how do I want to feel? How do I want to make others feel? And I think sometimes um, people go, well, I, I do everything for everybody. I'm like, that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> like the giver, like we're all here to give, um, you know, but the idea of how do I want to feel? So how do I show up? And when I show up, how is that and my my energy making others feel in the process to help them get out of maybe wherever they're at or to elevate them in the in the interaction, no matter what the outcome is. And then leaving the interaction, regardless of how the interaction goes, still like intact with that energy, you know, and so, right. you know, um, I love it. I mean, it's 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 100 percent true. And it's it's an interesting thing uh, that we worry about the how and we worry about the what. And mm -hmm. I, I always love the, you know, we make plans and God laughs because it's like, you know, oh, here's what I expect. Like, good luck with that. <laughs> you know, I, I always laugh at that, too, because it's like, you know, it could be even better <laughs> you know, when we create these expectations. Like, it's going to go all according to this and that. Like, yeah, but what if it was this? And you're like. I hadn't thought about that. You know, that's like, way better. I could never. Yeah. Like, that. <laughs> I, I guess I guess I. It could be, yeah. You know, you're like, yeah. Or, I mean, you could do you know your way, and then if it, if I slightly alter it because, well, technically it'll lead into something even better. You might think it's not as good, but you'll see. You know, it's like this dance with, sure. with God, this dance with like our soul. A lot of times, like, hey, let it go, and then just show up. Yeah. Amen. Amen, bro. You reminded me. So, um, I'm in the process right now of writing a third book, and I've really been thinking and doing some deep diving into the idea of what stage presence is, mm -hmm. yes. but uh, as applied to our daily lives. So not just for somebody who performs for people on a literal stage, but for like how we can show up more fully in every moment. And a lot of the stuff that we're talking about right now is like so cool and like very synchronistic to what I've been writing about. Um, I know, I love it. So one of the things that, you know, just came through for me while you were sharing that it was this idea um, that my college professor who I had a zoom call with two weeks ago um, I, I'm still friends with her and ironically you know how the universe works in mysterious ways what I studied almost like at this point you know 15 years ago at, at university what I studied is now coming to fruition in the form of this book and that's how we create meaning with other people mm -hmm. and and she has this theory um, that she's developing right now. That's like, it's, it's not out there. It's just like, it's very there, but for some people, it might be a little bit of a, of a mental pivot, but it's this idea of radical expression. And she's a, she studies social constructionist theory, which is just a fancy way of just saying like how we create meeting with other people. And, and she has this theory that like, you know, we show up sometimes with this ulterior motive, right? Like thinking that people are gonna be something or this situation has to be a certain way. So it's really representative of what we've been talking about, right? Like think of a literal stage, you're visualizing how you think it's gonna look. Is it gonna look that way? Most definitely not. <laughs> and, and so what she's saying is this, this idea of radical expression, it, it is showing up to the moment and allowing the moment 
to dictate itself. 100%. So you are becoming the observer in the moment and allowing what is coming forth to exist. And then with curiosity, like no judgment, you are there with that person asking them questions. And when she told me this, I was like, man, we need to share this idea because so many things in life right now are so divisive, whether it's you're this way, you're that way, you're, you're up, you're down, you're, you know, you're like literally everything divides us. It seems her idea with this radical expression is being willing to show up with another person and then not have any idea or preconceived notion of how you're going to conduct yourself in the conversation besides hold space for whatever happens to happen. Now, a lot of people might think like, okay, cool. I'll, I'll just sit here and then I'll have a conversation. And then somebody says like, I believe this. And you're like, you know what? Screw you. You know, that, that that's bullshit. So it, it's about observing this, the, the moment and not reacting to it, but having a general, like a, a very genuine curiosity to what is being presented to you so that you can meet on the level and have a beneficial conversation where you get to know each other, but you also create a magical moment. And it can sound out there, but this idea of like radical expression is, I think, how we can transcend differences and actually get more onto this, this like, you know, euphoric level playing field, if you will. <laughs> no, I, I love it. I've, I firmly believe like you can put me in any room and like the idea of listening in a way where, um, well, originally I was going to say like even the even the people doing some really bad things right now at the top. Right. But it's like, you can even like hear them in a way be like, may I show you an alternative, you know, or like, can I, can I, I want to listen. I want to, I want to understand because what you really will come to find is that it's all interpersonal. <laughs> like It's all, it's all interpersonal. So the idea of the ability to sit in, in uh, across from someone or a group of someone's and just ask genuine questions and be genuinely interested without them knowing who you are, or what you represent or any of that stuff. So that way there isn't an automatic bias, but there's an automatic space for them to just share everything. And you just keep asking genuine questions and the response of like, you know, some of them may say very, very divisive things and you go, okay, cool. Like I'm curious, like, so what, cause you to do that or receive that or do you know whatever it might be and then they'll they'll explain like okay and like what did that even mean for you and you start mm -hmm. to ask these questions Mo my opinion is even the the really quote-unquote i don't like to label but like you know the evil you know plotting whatever like they want to be seen felt and heard some just don't like because they're i think they they might abandon their soul but <laughs> but at the end of the day though for real for the most part it is an interpersonal thing and it's that idea of like they want to be seen felt heard understood like there's a there's underlying things going on in each and every person and so um that's why you see i think a lot of people like projected out and it's like you will now adapt this way and it's like or maybe you just want to be heard and respected you know versus now corporation a my people must be considered now government that you should change this law to that like because this is how i'm feeling like or maybe you what you're really saying is i would like to be respected and i realize that it's also my responsibility to be respectful and if the person on the other end is not being respectful back 
that's not my fault. That's not their fault, but I must move on. And then, you know, mm-hmm. and keep leading from that standpoint, but that's, that's going on a whole other, a whole well, other there, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's all, that is a very difficult thing to do yet. It is part of, I, I think of our like soul's evolution of why we are here Yes, because it is part of removing ourselves from the conversation. Yes. Oh. And it, it's a simple, it's a simple concept, but so hard to practice because we want, like you said, we want to be heard. We want to be seen. And if we don't feel that way, we want to lash out. So we, we gain, right? Like yeah. we get seen or, or heard. And, and so adopting this idea of showing up without having an idea of what could happen, um, it really just creates space I love it. and, and it creates the opportunity for us to move beyond these things that a lot of times, like, you know, a, a lot of the things that we disagree on, I'm like, I'm like, man, they are so, so in our head meaning interpersonal, yeah. right? Like and it's, we want it's the a same conversation thing. we have with us. Yeah, and Ult- we want the same thing. Ultimately, <laughs> ultimately, we want the same thing. Have you, have, like, really look at, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not talking about sides, but you get where I'm going. Like, I'll look at media on, on all different sides. And I'm like, you guys realize, like, technically at the end of the day, you all kind of want the same thing. Like, at the, at the very least, the ability to make up your own decisions in your life, no matter what route you go, <laughs> you know, for real. <laughs> like we we as human beings, I think all want very similar things. How they're presented and how we're interacting, how we're perceiving, and how we're understanding them. Well, that's a whole other you know a whole other dynamic. I like when he's saying showing up without expecting. Um, we just got to show up to the thing. What I like too is that it's injecting you right automatically into movement. Because if we're thinking about things too much and we're planning, we're expecting too much analysis, paralysis or perfectionism or I'll get to it. Or I have found that you you had me thinking, I'm like, you know, it's funny with podcasts, speaking on stage uh, or getting interviewed on th- whatever, like <laughs> I always just show up. It's the one area that I feel like I'm actually get to be like the most like I get to have the most fun and like get to be the my most myself. So I'm actually those are the things I don't plan. I'm like. So any wonder why those things seem to go so well, because I'm not really thinking about it. And then this stuff over here that I'm thinking about, I'm like, yeah, that should have been launched like months ago. <laughs> you know? Dude, so what's so funny about that? It just reminded me when I first started instructing yoga classes, I would have this whole thing planned out, right? I would have like this whole sequence, every single pose lined up. I'd be like, okay, we're going to knock this out. It's going to be dope. I'd show up to the class and, and it was like, you know, something geared towards prepping people to handstand. Cause I was like, yeah, people will love that. It'll be super cool. I show up to class. It's a pregnant woman, an older man, and a guy with like a broken arm. <laughs> no one's going like, to be able to do it. And I'm like, damn, I gotta, I, I gotta be in the moment and I gotta pivot. Right? right. So it's, I mean, it is like one of those things that life will just throw you some of that stuff. If you're thinking that you're going to have so much control over it. Cause like, what do we really control besides our choices? hundred percent. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to t- touch on the yoga for a minute because there was something interesting that you were doing while you were out on, t- and you can go back to the story if you want, but while you were yeah. out on tour, cause you guys did, there was a resurrection and then what happened when you were out on tour and what you were doing with yoga, I thought was really, really cool. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, yo, I appreciate that. I kind of want to, yeah, before I get into that, I just wanted to bring it back a little bit to the interpersonal communication in our yes. head because when we were kind of doing our, you know, traditional band mindset of like, Hey, you get signed. That's how you become successful. You write your own songs, that stuff. I really do feel like it was like, you know, it was a collected interpersonal conversation because we were like together and we were like, yeah, this is success. Uh, Not that we had that conversation, but it was like a common vibe. Yes. And, and so 
also the common vibe was that we're not a cover band. So the idea, this interpersonal communication was like, was like, well, we're not a cover band, so we're not going to do that. We're not going to do covers. And we did that, that cover by Adele and it blew up. And then we did a whole bunch more. And then we, a couple of like, it was probably, it probably took us about, I think after that, so 2013, it took us until about 2000, I believe it was 15 or 16. So it took us like three or four years to get to a million subscribers on YouTube, but that was a huge goal for us. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and that's that, like, you know, that plaque, that like gold plaque, that YouTube plaque, you can see way over there. Um, it came from, I think us having to surrender that idea that, that, that interpersonal, you know, collective idea of who we were. And then we became, in my opinion, the world's greatest cover band. You know, and it's kind of funny to think about. You brought up such a great point. Um, surrender as an individual is tough. And what you just brought up, surrender as a group, probably even tougher because there's multiple individuals involved. Yeah. Although at least you got people there to like, you know, like we're doing this together. <laughs> yeah. But surrender, you have- but you're 100% right about the surrendering. Yeah. Because then you allow out what was already there was always there and that's what's trying to like hey you know it doesn't have to be that tough what do you mean control like i've been thinking a lot about that lately it's like we this desire i'm not trying to control the world that's not my interest but the controlling of uh the you know oh if i work harder if i do it this way or if i do that and realizing like you're trying to control things and you have to surrender and let it all go because it doesn't have to be that hard you can apply the work ethic to where the flow goes but let go and let god like let it Mm. go let it go and it's an interesting thing in a self-observation of surrendering i'm like oh shit like do i have control issues (laughs) you know what i mean like again again again, like again only with myself like other people i'm I'm like the chill is like oh you know whatever works for you and i got you and i'll and i'll be honest like yes i like that no i don't whatever but like when it comes to me the like the the control of um feeling like because i really do believe in the integrity of showing up but like sometimes how though are we are we are we are we trying too much are we doing too much and learning the process of like not learning to do too much but learning to do just the right and in feeling and in flow and in surrender and it's a process Mm -hmm. it's a process so i love that you brought that up yeah I mean, I appreciate that reflection a lot because for us, it was a challenge. And like you said before, yeah, it, it was done collectively. So maybe that was like a dispersed burden, Yeah. but mm. we really had to, I mean, I think anyone who's listening that might be, you know, just going through it and experiencing a pivot or experiencing a time of like, like low or darkness, um, it's offering an opportunity for you to check in. And like we said before, to pivot. But it's like, it's not just the pivot. I think it's, there's a lot that, that it goes into the surrender, like you said, and, and trust. Oof. And, and I, I know they're, they're, they're big, heavy words when we throw them around, right? Like surrender and trust. We're talking about the big boys right now. Yeah, um, right. Trust fall with like, God. <laughs> a, a, a gal at a, at a presentation said to me the other day, she's like, like a trust fall with God. I'm like, oof, yeah, a trust fall with God. And which is all encompassing and invisible. So it's like, I'm just going to fall <laughs> right into trust and faith. Right. 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 Yeah. And, and then you really, in order, in order for this to 
like really, I think, take effect. You have to be in kind of, like I said before, a low spot or a dark place because that's kind of a lot of time. I mean, not, I'm not saying to put yourself there. Right. If you're in a high place, awesome. I'm just saying a lot of this stuff comes from the reframing of our experience and our willingness to do anything. Mm-hmm. And we were at a place in our band where we almost broke up. We were like, okay, we're going to either hang it up or start a new band or I don't know what, but clearly this isn't working. And so we were at a point where we were just willing to try something. And that led us to shift this mindset of like, well, wait a minute, we can do covers to promote our originals. And the more and more that we did it, we noticed that the people at our shows, I mean, there was a lot more people at our shows, but the people that came, they weren't expecting us to play covers. They were expecting us to play our original songs. And so we'd only play like one or two covers, but we were creating this fan base that was just so stoked and increasing it by reaching crowds that listen to anyone from like Rihanna to Justin Bieber to like Post Malone, like literally anyone, we just had this opportunity to to reach a lot more people by reframing this idea of, Mm -hmm. hey, we're not a cover band. And it it also wasn't a shift like that, right? It, It was an experiment to see if it worked. And so that's really what I kind of encourage anyone listening to if you're feeling a little bit low or like you're in a pivoting place, it's okay to experiment. It's okay to fail. It's okay to try these things out. You've got time. And, and that is a huge thing. So if you need to hear that today, you got time, then that's for you. Because there's a lot of times I need to hear that shit. And I'm like, yo, you got time. You're, you're not too old. You know, you're not, you're not all the things you are right now in this moment. And you can be anything. So just give yourself the permission to fail. Give yourself permission to try some new stuff. And in doing so, you will find your lane. You know, the, um, so well said and it, you know, that I'm, I'm thinking I'm reflecting on it as well as you're saying it. And, uh, the experimentation is interesting because experiment, experimentation also, um, uh, means, uh, you have to let go of your ego and, and try something you wouldn't have naturally thought of. So it's interesting how an experiment and, and well, not just that, but it's interesting how it's also, um, in experimenting, it's like, guys, do we love music? Yeah. Can we have fun with it for just a minute versus trying to force it? Well, mm. yeah. Can we just like try like who, who are some different people in different categories that we like? And, you know, let's have fun. Let, let's just like jam out and like play that music and like have fun doing that. Yeah. Okay. Like, let's just do that. When we remove the force, when we remove the like resistance and the control and all that stuff. And then we're just like, wait a minute. We do agree. We love music. Like, yeah, of course we love music. Like, can we have fun? Mm. we remove all of like the boundaries sometimes that we've placed the, the the limits that we've placed on it and the experimentation is sort of like can we have fun with the skill sets that we've been having fun with that like of the things that we know that we like to do that's just in us and suddenly it leads to like that like I, i've noticed that too even online like different things i'm like that that's what you guys wanted they're like oh i love this i'm like that was the one thing I wasn't even thinking of. Like, you know, <laughs> it's just so mind blowing here. I'm like, we'll do this and then we'll do that. And we'll do this. And how about this? And it's like, you know, maybe crickets. And then you do this stuff over here and you're like, oh, here's this. And it goes berserk. And you're like, funny. I was just chilling when that happened. And it just yeah. shows you the flow that comes from having fun within the thing that you like to do without the restrictions we place on ourselves or, you know, the self-imposed limits that ultimately lead to like the catastrophic rise in something <laughs> so yeah so it's really funny you're saying that I that's how really you go viral that. yeah that's how you go viral right there i got so speaking of going viral um and then we can get back to that story because i definitely want to talk about yoga and, and stuff like that because it's it's very important not the, the practice it is important but i think the idea behind the practice and 
And uh, yeah, it, it can provide a lot of value. But the virality of things is very interesting. Okay. So like we learned about virality through YouTube and when our video went viral and after doing covers for so long, we noticed that it was better to do a cover that somebody either loved or hated. <laughs> and we had, and we had some covers people hated, like, like there was times where we were getting like death threats on Twitter for covering, covering old town road. And uh, it was just, it was mind blowing, you know, but it made it go viral. And it's, it's the, I think it's human nature for, for us to be like, have a, a polarized opinion about something mm. because it makes us want to share it. So, so like not saying that that is inherently just like, you know, this is part of human nature. We want to be super positive or super negative. I don't, I don't think it's that black and white. I'm just saying like in life, when we either love something or hate something and, and experience a polarity, there's more of a chance for us to share it because we want to tell our friends, yo, check this out. This is awesome. Or yo, can you believe this? This is so shitty. We want to share it with people. So, so that is interesting. Right. And we could do again, a whole podcast on virality and going viral if we wanted to, but to speak to your point about kind of, you know, surrendering to what is and trying less almost right. Like that idea, that infamous line of less is more. So I was on my friend's couch in Malibu in 2020. 2021. So it was last year. Um, it was March. And I posted this video of me flip, flip my guitar around my head, which is something that I like to do for a really long time. I just kind of really enjoyed that form of self-expression. It was kind of like a, a big F you to my self-doubt. So I love doing it on stage because it just felt, felt badass. And uh, I had a video from a couple tours ago on the side of the stage. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put this up with our, our cover of Astronaut in the Ocean that we had just recorded. That had gone viral and got a ton of views and really popped off for us. Um, and so I was just like, I'm just going to post this on my, on my personal Instagram, whatever. Maybe it'll promote the song a little bit, whatever. I posted it. And like, at first it did okay. It got like, you know, tens of thousands of views, which is like, which was pretty normal for my account at the time. And then I noticed like after like three or four days, it was in like the hundreds of thousands. And I was like, oh, wow, it was like, it was a really good post. Okay, sweet. That's awesome. Um, and then about like a week into it, it was, it was in the multiple millions. And I was like, oh shit. Okay. I guess I got something here. And then I started getting comments from all sorts of places like Brazil and India and Bangladesh, Middle East. Like, and I was like, how the hell are people finding this right now? And the, the video views just kept going up and it blew my Instagram account up. Um, like by hundreds of thousands of followers, which is like kind of unheard of to have happen organically on Instagram, whether it was like bots or not, I have no idea, but like, I was having a lot of people reaching out about that video. And as of today, it sits at like 86.4 million views, I think. Mm. Um, and it's, and I was sitting on the couch at my friend's house. It took me like five minutes to put this video together. And I did it as almost like a joke. I was like, you know what, let's just see, this is an old video. I'm just going to put it up there with the song. And then I didn't try, like I've spent hours creating content, right? Like cutting video for the band last year, just like making social media assets, doing all this stuff. And some do good, some don't is what it is. But then I posted this thing and all of a sudden it was the biggest video that our band has ever, has ever created, like collectively on social media. And I'm like, 
like what, like, what is that? Right. I don't know, but I tried less and it got more. And I think there's a, there's a, a very strong moral to that in, in regards to life, because I, I think that we control things kind of going back to control. We control stuff so much. We think it has to be this certain way, but as soon as we surrender and allow things to happen organically, to have fun, like you said, and experience joy, then I, I really think we connect more to life because mm. it's a big cosmic joke we're experiencing right here. You got to realize that, right? It's like, like the fact that we're here is like a miracle and we're experiencing this, this, this whole thing. And we, we try to get stuff, right? Like we try to get the things to make our experience better and gain a ton of money and a ton of followers and like cars and all these things. And you leave the world with the clothes you got on you, you know, it's and, <laughs> not even and, that. So, <laughs> and, and, and probably not even that. Yeah, fair, exactly. Like, like your body's got the clothes you yeah. leave. Yeah. And, and so surrendering into like, Hey, what would be fun for me to share right now? What would be, you know, what would provide joy, you know, for my life and others and experiment, try stuff. And again, like we said before, surrender into that, try less. And eventually I like to think more will happen because you're allowing yourself to surrender to what is, which is kind of more the trippy way of saying like, you know, you're powerful, there's power around you and you're, you're allowing yourself to be a, you know, a clear vessel to channel that, which I guess is an even more trippy thing to say. I think, you know, I think it, it goes full circle back to the original point of, um, Oh, I should have I should have wrote this one down. I like been typing all these things, and then finally I got like just mesmerized by this last run of yours. Um, just the the idea of that letting go, um, the control issues, and well, there's a lot. There's a lot actually that you did say. Um, first of all, the virality. Isn't it interesting when virality happens from surrender, not from replicating what worked of like one time you surrendered or whatever it was that got viral or then like trying to beat it and beat it and not in your case but like a lot of people they keep trying to kind of beat their best videos and they it's funny how that's a form of control mm -hmm. and then what do they do crazier videos crazier videos crazier content crazier content and we've got a society that has created an entire alternate universe <laughs> based off of like, you know, I'm not in boxing. I'm going to go be a boxer and I'm going to train and I'm going to get, uh, I'm going to beat everybody in the process. And, you know, I'm not going to use names. Obviously everybody knows what I'm talking about, but like, and, and he did, he did it well. But the, the point being is mm -hmm. it's interesting. The like, or maybe that was a surrendering. He's like, I'm going to surrender. I'm going to try this. Let's see what actually happens. You know, whatever it might be. But it's the idea though, of like surrendering, um, and, oh, the original point being, what will, how will I feel? How will I make others feel? So when we surrender, how will I feel with mm -hmm. the, the other side? And how will that probably make others feel? And that's probably what people are feeling through the screen when it comes through to them. Because they're like, yeah, you know, and you were just being like yourself. Hence the reward for being yourself <laughs> right you know? right but we're so, it's so it, yeah. yeah it's so but we're, we're sometimes disconnected from our ability to check in with ourselves yeah and and so so kind of i guess it's a perfect segue to start talking about self-reflective practices and mm -hmm. um and like meditation and yoga and stuff and so so for me it was like you know that whole time period of us starting to do like getting off of epitaph starting to do covers um it was around the same time this was between like 2010, 2012, that uh, I started just experimenting with yoga. 
and it was one of those pivots in my life where I thought, you know, this was just a, for ladies in like spandex stretching. And I didn't really think anything of it. I was like, okay, cool. This isn't a workout. This is just like, you know, a bunch of, a bunch of women stretching. So I had this idea in my head that like, it wasn't for me. Now, throughout high school and college, I had severe low back pain to the point where it was debilitating to get out of bed. And I saw a handful of doctors, none of them really gave me a diagnosis. They kind of were like, not really sure what exactly is going on. Um, so we're going to send you this guy and we're going to send you this guy. And after I saw five doctors, the fifth one, he said, I just noticed this little tiny stress fracture in your lower lumbar spine. And it was just in the right spot. So it was causing me like debilitating pain. And he told me, you know, there's nothing we can really do about this. So you're going to have to live with it. And I remember in that moment being like, shit, I got to live with this pain for the rest of my life. Like what? Um, so I kind of, I, I didn't make an agreement in that moment. In that moment, I felt despair. I felt like depressed energy. I felt like shitty, you know? And I thought that I was just going to eventually not be able to walk. They put me on physical therapy, which I did. It helped. The pain kind of went away. And I would do that during my workouts, which was like a lot of stretching and core exercises. And sometimes the pain would be bad. Sometimes it would be manageable. And it would still be there regardless of what I did in some form. Now, cut to like 2010, I graduated from school and, and I was like, you know, home from a tour. And my mom was like, yo, why don't you come to yoga with me? And I was like, no. And she was like, I'm paying. You have to come. And at that point I was like, you know, broke musician out of school. <laughs> I was like, all right, you're paying. I'll go. I'll try. So I went and I never like at that point in my life, I had never felt that good after doing a physical exercise. And I think it was the combination of sweating profusely as well as stretching core work. And there's a lot of strength involved in yoga that people don't really know oh, yeah. about unless they practice it. Right. Um, so after that day, I kid you not, I've never felt that pain again. Hmm. And I know it sounds weird. You also never and stopped after that day. <laughs> exactly. 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 But the way I look at it is yeah. that I really think that our pain can be a great teacher. Absolutely. And, and it guides us, right? So whether it's physical pain or emotional pain, a lot of times it can guide us to doing really awesome things in our life. Mm -hmm. And, and so whether if it's emotional pain and you decide to speak to people who've experienced similar things, or you are feeling physical pain and you start exploring other modalities of moving your body, it can lead us down amazing paths. And that's what I found with yoga. I found that, you know, the universe, I believe was guiding me towards this practice because it was going to change my life. And it was giving me pain in my back until I figured it the fuck out. And I finally think that I, I mean, of course we don't figure life out, but I figured that little level of my life out and started doing yoga. So therefore the pain went away and it never came back. And if I ever feel any type of ache in that area, I know what kind of stretches and, and, and um, sequences and movements I can do to empower myself. So I wasn't far off with the physical therapy, but it wasn't a lifestyle. Right. And that's, that, that's really what I think the universe was pushing me towards is this, this lifestyle shift, right? Like it wasn't this diet that I needed, which was the physical therapy. It was a lifestyle shift of practicing yoga. Um, it, it doesn't have to be every day, but like 
in increments or whatever you can do, making it a part of your, your habitual living experience. And, uh, and so I remember about two or three years later, I was laying on the mat after a really, really epic class. And I was, and I was just laying in like a pool of sweat. I was looking at the ceiling. I'll never forget this moment. I was like, am I supposed to teach this? Hmm. And then, and then I had this, this like feeling, it wasn't a voice. It was like a knowing you're supposed to teach this. Hmm. And I was like, okay, all right. So then I went back and I started emailing studios just to see who would be willing to work with me through like a pretty intense tour schedule. And like, long story short, I found a studio. It took me, you know, the normal training was like two to three months. It took me like eight months to finish it because we were touring at that point. We were touring in like Japan and Europe and like all these places. So I had to like do little modules here and there, but I got my first 200 hour training, which was awesome. Um, and that really changed my life. It, it took the pain away. And, and it was, it was quite a learning experience. Now I really do believe strongly that how we practice, whether that's, you know, working out, whether it's yoga, whether it's just like doing anything, how we practice reflects in how we live. Yes. So, so I was given the opportunity with my yoga mat to, to be reflected almost as if it was a mirror into how I was living my life. And it was very stiff. It was very rigid. And I really had to sit with myself and ask, like, is that really the way that I want to live? Now, it took me a while to figure this out because I was practicing some kind of yogas that were like real stiff, very militaristic, very intense, almost to the point where I'd be on tour and I'd be pissed off at my bandmates if I didn't get my full 90 minute practice in of 13 sitting postures, 13 standing postures, get the fuck out of my way, you know? And, and, and I remember diva. having this, it's what very, was that? It's very diva of you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Super diva mode. Um, and then uh, I, I remember being like, do I really want to live this way? Like I'm practicing yoga to like feel good in my body, to be relaxed, to be more capable. And um, I, I kind of had this weird realization that how I was practicing the style of yoga I was doing wasn't really in alignment with the way that I wanted to be. And around the same time, I found this kind of yoga that I really love. It's called Strala Yoga. And I've since done a training with them and uh, the founders, Tara and Mike are friends of mine. And they're just angels of human beings sharing this idea of ease in yoga, surrendering ironically. Um, and it's all about movement rather than posing. So it's about like Tai Chi and Qigong ideology infused with yoga movements. It is beautiful practice. And I started practicing that kind of yoga. And that was when my life went to the next level because I was able to not be so controlling and restrictive of my everyday life. If I could have like 90 minutes of yoga or 15 minutes of yoga, I was okay. You know, and, and it's because I was practicing moving my whole body and not being stiff and rigid. And it was reflective in my, my stage presence. And I was moving around. I started moving in much more healthy ways before I was wearing like knee pads underneath my skinny jeans. Cause my knees were shot since I would like stage pound the, like, you know, it's like stupid shit that you do when you're rocking out and you adrenaline kicks in and your body's just getting beat up. Once I started practicing that kind of yoga, I started flipping my guitar around my head. Like it was just like nothing and jumping through the air and just moving effortlessly when I would choose to. And when I found it was, uh, was kind of incongruence or not, not incongruence, but it was in the flow mm. with the songs. Right. Um, and, and before I was just kind of like forcing it, right. I was like, I'm going to jump here, move here, stomp here, do these things very forcefully. 
And so that pain, kind of like that pain point that we spoke on, right? I think that that guided me by listening to it. So if anyone's feeling that like any type of pain, I just encourage you to like, listen to it, sit with it and ask, you know, like, what can I learn and see what comes forth, surrender into that and explore an experiment. Because when you do that, it doesn't mean you're going to find the right thing, but it will put you on the path to maybe eventually finding the one that will transform your life. And so yoga in a nutshell took away the pain, but then this style of yoga for me amplified my practices and my living and my stage presence to the next level. And, and it started causing me very deep reflective experiences in, in not only how I was practicing and its relation to how I was living, but, but really it was about just kind of like, like, how am I being Yeah. right? Like, like, how am I being in this life, in this experience? You know, am I, am, am I showing up to be of service for people? Do I remember that I can't be on stage performing if there aren't people coming to see me? Yeah. Am I expressing gratitude in that moment while I'm jumping around stage and flipping my guitar and doing things? Can I be present with individuals who are the ones supporting me? Right. Like it's really that esoteric, like the esoteric question of how can I serve, but kind of more in the frame of like, how am I being? Because when you kind of put them together, I think it, it really supercharges you. And, um, and yeah, I, I just feel like yoga for me, is something I'm passionate about and yoga means to bring together it literally the definition of it is union. But I, I also understand that like not everyone's going to do yoga and that's cool. Right. Cause, cause people experience that same thing, that euphoric union, that oneness, that togetherness through things like running, biking, um, dancing, playing instruments. It's about bringing it, bringing, I think your breath into those things, mm -hmm. because that's kind of the string of consciousness, I think that weaves the web between our mind and body. But I, I really think we experience this idea of union, this yoga in infinite formats, as long as we choose to surrender into the things that bring us joy into our life. So if you're feeling like, Hey, yoga is not for me. I'm never doing that. That's cool. Maybe martial arts is your thing. Maybe that's your yoga to me. And that brings you into union with more of yourself being one with everything around you. If that makes sense. No, I think it makes perfect sense. I think it's very also, it's very, when you were talking about as a lifestyle, which makes it very evolutionary, you were able to find, uh, you experienced a signal, something happened from trying something different in relation to what started off with the pain. And that injected you into a new path because you found something that was counter to what you previously experienced. Then from that, you can say, now begins the process of more discovery. And from that, you start to mm. see what molds and shapes. Like I, I had to learn that with nutrition. I had to learn that with, um, you know, movement and exercise. I had to learn it with so many different things. You start to understand your body differently. It's a journey, you know, for lack of better words. I know just because it's always used, but it's like, but it, to your, with the way you're like, it's, it's very evolutionary. It's like, oh. I changed this one thing and that felt good. And then all of a sudden what happens too is if sometimes if you go back against it, you're like, ooh, I feel bad again. I'm like, well, I can't go mm -hmm. back. So I gotta keep going forward. And then you start to realize like what works and what doesn't you know, work. You did that with yoga. It's like, hey, this works to a point, but I'm hitting a glass ceiling. There's some rigidity in it. Now I need to find something um, that expands off of it to get to that next thing. That's a lifestyle. And I find that when we do things from a lifestyle, they're sustaining. 
versus, mm-hmm. you know, I remember, and I've said this, I think, on a couple of my own podcasts now. It's like I remember when I, I first uh, went back to really working on my body with some trainers and whatnot. And I remember um, saying, like, hey, you know, let's let's begin. And they're like, all right, cool. You know, what are your 90-day goals? I'm like, there are none. And like, no, you like, what do you want? I was like, no, you don't understand. I'm like, let it ride. Like, for how long? I'm like, I don't care forever. And they're just like, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, just grandfather my prices in. <laughs> you get bigger and bigger. No, but it was like the idea of um, the lifestyle of the repetition of showing up for the activities that soothe us, that, that move us, that um, get us um, healthier and happier, more grounded and more in our breath and more in our like, you know, all the the good activities, saving all the time for the good activities that then help me show up as a warrior, <laughs> like in right. the 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 business or the creative or the whatever it might be in the worldly, right? So, um, I like that you know you when you approach it from a lifestyle, it's very um, evolutionary, and that's really what to your point about the soul. That's really what we're here to do. You can't take all these things with you. So, like, really, is that you're gonna chase after all those things? Or are you gonna like chase after life? Are you going to like right. actually like solve for life and feel through life or which, by the way, ironically, does take some of those bonuses from the material world over here, you know, but with less stress and more ease, you know. Right. So. Right. And, yeah. then, and then you started teaching it to the world. I did. So I kind of I kind of felt a little bit obliged and I'm sure people listening might feel the same way. Um when you find tools in your life that work for you, mm. I think it's part of our obligation, almost as if you look at it like a soul contract Amen. with the universe or wherever we come from to share them with other people. And I started having this, this question pop up in my mind and it was in relation to my fans and the people that would come to our shows. And I started asking like, uh, I wonder what would happen if I started investing in the people that were investing in me? And, and I was like, well, I don't know for one and two, how can I do that? So I started just while I was doing my trainings and things, I started just doing meditation and yoga classes on tour. At first it started with a couple of friends of mine who I was on tour with who were open to it. And I would guide them through a flow and they always felt awesome afterwards. And I was like, wow, okay. This stuff really works for other people. This is cool. And then I started doing it. I think the first time I did it officially was on Warp Tour in 2015, where I was part of this um, this TEI um, thing where they would bring fans. They would like pay a small fee and they would come backstage to like do a course with one of their favorite band members. And and people could offer different things, whether it was like vocal lessons, drumming lessons, you know, goal setting, literally anything. And I was approached to do one for yoga. And I was just like, so stoked. They asked me. And of course I did it. And, um, and so I would have like a handful of kids every show, you know, it'd be like, you know, sometimes it was like, you know, three, there was a couple that were super private lessons, which was dope, but it was mainly from like around three to 10. And we would just practice moving, right? Like moving with our body, using our breath. And I started having these experiences of like, oh, wow, this is like, really profound and it doesn't just work for me (laughs) it seems to work for other people too and they like it so regardless of if they you know are kind of getting um this cool experience with someone that they they enjoy watching on stage and the music um but they're also getting these tools to take with them to not just like use like music where you know you feel depressed or sad or angry or happy 
you turn to music, it's always there. And that, that's the beauty of it. It's like a universal language. It's always there for us. But a lot of times with our mental health, we need more tools than just that. Mm-hmm. And, and especially right now, I feel like with everything, like, right, like our, we, we're distracted by everything. We're all about quick reward. We got social media that's taken our, our energy from us and our attention. Really important to bring it back. And so I felt like I was on a mission to just put it back, put the power back in people's hands. And so that's what I was doing. And I was just sharing tools. And anything I learned that I found applicable, I was doing breath of fire with kids. I was doing this thing I call square breathing, which is just pausing in between inhale and exhale to allow yourself to observe like at anything in your body, your mind, whatever. Slower exhales and your inhales to slow your heart rate down. We were doing stuff from like warrior poses to feel powerful in our bodies and then moving in that just literally you name it. And we were doing it. That was where I first got my experience working with like people at the shows. Then we went to Europe and I started doing these meetups and I was legit doing them in parks. I was just like, I'm just going to like, here, uh, I'm going to take the kids in the front of the line and we're going to go to a park really close before the doors open. And a lot of times people would just see me and not know what the hell I was doing and just follow me (laughs) because they were like, oh, I'm seeing this. I'm seeing this dude play tonight. What is he doing? Oh yeah, sure. I'll go. And then all of a sudden they're in a circle with like 30 or 40 people and we're all breathing together. And it was so beautiful. I, I had some of my favorite experiences um, in Europe doing this. And I did it for about five years before I, I had another realization that was, okay, now I know from trying a bunch of things, right? Like trying different breathing techniques, trying different movement-based practices, goal setting, all this fun stuff. I've now been given reflections from people, kind of like a trial by fire. I looked at it like an experiment where I was trying all this stuff out. And these kids, it, was, it wasn't even just kids. It was like adults too would come and, um, and they would reflect back to me what really worked for them. And so that gave me the opportunity to kind of start jotting down these things and seeing what, what you know, the, the collective mindset was around these practices and again, they were anything. It wasn't just yoga and meditation. We did stuff from like how to change your negatives to positives and setting your goals and you know, increasing our ability to be present and just like all the sorts of cool stuff. So then I was like, well, you know what? I want to be able to serve even if I'm not necessarily here in this moment because you know, our capacity is rather limited in a physical sense. We can always like respond to life no matter what we have that like innate ability to choose to respond to whatever life throws at us. But our physical abilities are a little bit limited in the form of our, our ability to serve by like, you couldn't necessarily go to a meetup one-on-one with someone in Japan right now, because you're in Arizona, just like I couldn't go to Berlin right now. Cause I'm in Nashville. Right. So it's like, we're a little bit, a little bit limited zoom helps that, but we're a little bit limited in our physical sense. So, so for me, I, I, I just started realizing like, okay, I need to put these tools in writing and share it. And that's where I started being like, I'm going to write a book, but wait a minute. Can I even keep a thought together for longer than a paragraph? (laughs) Like, like who do I think I am? You know? Right. Like, but I was like, no, 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 I'm going to write it. And I put that out into the universe. And, um, it was quite the journey writing my first book, um, which again, we could do another podcast on that whole process in itself, but I was able to put those tools into a book and the title of the book came from something that I couldn't even accept within myself. Hmm. And just like a side story real quick, I have like a soul tribe of people in um, Santa Monica, Los Angeles and Malibu area. 
And when I started hanging out with them, my life went to the next level. And that's because they saw me for something I couldn't see as myself. Mm. I, I couldn't see it within me. I needed somebody to reflect it to me. And that was this idea that I was an actual musician. And it might be weird to hear because, you know, I started one of the largest unsigned bands on the planet. Um, and, you know, I get viewed as someone who's a successful musician. I've never felt like a musician. I've always just felt like I have the opportunity to connect with people and I love performing on stage, but I don't feel like I'm a musician. And these people that I would hang with would start being, start introducing me as this is my friend, Woody. He's a phenomenal musician. He's a phenomenal bass player. And I would go and I would correct him. I'd be like, oh, no, 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 no. I was identifying so much with being a yoga instructor at the time. Here I am in this band and I would identify with being a yoga instructor to where I would tell them, oh, no, no, no. Like, you know, I do yoga and stuff like that. And they were like, no, 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 you're an awesome musician. And I'd be like, oh, so awkward to hear. And, and over time, I started to believe it. And I started to believe that I was capable and that I was these, this, this idea of a musician. And, and I think it's really important to have those kind of reflections in people in our lives because they helped me to believe in myself. And, and so while I was thinking that I was identifying more with this practice of yoga than I was with being in a band, they were reminding me that I was capable in that world of being in a band, which I had beaten myself up for years thinking I wasn't good enough, at, whether it was from like, like not having the opportunity to record on on certain albums or being told I wasn't good enough by certain producers or just having these experiences of just like really doubting myself. You know, I just, I felt like a fraud. I felt like a phony and, and they brought me out of that. They brought me into like, no, 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 like you're magical. Like you, you are, have that ability. You are the rock star. And I was like, what? Like, okay, I guess. And eventually it started to come into my mind where I was like, okay, I am that. Okay. I am. It still feels weird, but I'm going to keep saying it. I am. I am. And it's still, you know, it's still kind of is a challenge for me to hear, but that's where the title for my first book came from was you are the rock star because it was an affirmative statement of other people believing in something I couldn't see in myself. And it transformed, it, it really did start to transform my life um, in the form of me stepping into my power on stage. Cause I really started to own my, my experience and like really be commanding on stage and, and to allow my ego to come out, but harness it with the attitude of gratitude. So I stayed present and grateful, but allowed myself to perform at a really, really high level every single night and give everything I had. And it really came from that you are the rock star um, affirmative statement, which is now the series of my books that have been, you know, doing well um, here and there and, uh, you know, translated into multiple languages, which I'm really proud of and making an impact all over the world, which is really, I think, why we're here. And going back to like, kind of my point was that I really wanted to write something that had the ability to transcend my experience on this planet as a human being and serve, even if I'm not here, which some people might look at that as, uh, you know, it could be, it could be coming from ego. I don't know, because, you know, wanting to transcend death is like the classic, like, you know, trying to overcome life is like such an egoic statement, but I think as long as we're trying to do it in a, in a form of service, I don't think it's bad. I think it's a good thing. And, um, and so, yeah, that's kind of the story about like how I got like started with doing the yoga and sharing it. And then it, it like, it kind of funneled into these books that I'm writing now. And it's been quite the process. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot you said in there. There's a lot. Um, 
first of all, I don't I don't think it's egoic. Well, I, you know, like to your point when it's uh, in, from the intention, but <clears throat> leaving behind wisdom that uh, generations can harness and use, I think is a that that's great to leave that behind more so than anything else leaving behind wisdom right um that others can learn from and and use in some capacity so when from that point yeah you know i think that's that's incredible and um it's interesting how when you call to god to the universe when you like when you when you start walking in a path for you know i'm feeling called to this how others will reveal the way because we're asking, mm-hmm. we're asking for that help. And I was believe God speaks through people. It was interesting about when you talk about identity, the, well, I was, uh, I was reflecting on it as an identity here. You're being called something. It's not really relating to you or you're, or you've suppressed it or you've whatever number of things, the humility of it, right. Of just like, no, 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 you know, but I'm this over here. We, we, can tend to put ourselves in whatever categories we can most understand at any given point in time. And I always find it fascinating that God speaks to us to people, the rest of the world, but like, no, you're this, you're this, you're this, you're this, which is in relation to what I want to write about. Mm. <laughs> so, but I won't, I won't, I won't get to there just yet. But, uh, but the idea though, is that it's interesting. And then you were mentioned like, well, and then as you allowed yourself yourself to grow into yet another identity we first of all we can be more than one identity you know we're we're boundless and uh we can be more than one identity but it was interesting how i have found too from the world from the people viewing our work they are like accountability partners to our soul it's kind of how i'm feeling it right because like they'll tell me things it's I almost feel like very soul contract. Like, did I put you there to remind me who I am? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I remember I once said it to somebody very spiritual. They were like, yeah, <laughs> that's probably exactly what your soul is always kind of guiding you. It's like mm. putting the people, the breadcrumbs to get you back home to remember. Right. To remember right. That's why they call them soul family. Yeah. I think. And right. it's like, I mean, it, people have all sorts of different soul family, I think in, in their lives and, and regardless of your perspective on life and like, whether it's like, you know, from a place of like our soul is infinite and reincarnates or whether we're, you know, we're here and then we leave. It's like, I just know that everyone's here in our lives for a reason. And I think it's like that faithful, what is that quote? It's like, uh, it's like people are here for a reason, a season or a lifetime. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's on point because, you know, there's also a blessing within that. Right. So it's like, Sometimes people are only here for a little bit and they're there, they're here to teach us something. And maybe that's the reflection that we need. And maybe it hurts. Maybe it's the reflection we need to get better. And then other people are the ones that are the ride or die that are like, yo, I'm always here to act as a mirror and I'm going to call you on your shit. Yeah. And we need people. that, right? <laughs> it's crazy. Some of them are really, I'm like, a couple of them, I'm like, you're on your th- 30 bro <laughs> like, it's just like what it was like i think it's your year 35 i'm like bro you're still really here i love you man <laughs> you, you've made it you went the decades like you ain't going nowhere and has been a good mural on the way um you know the subtle reminders of life like i'm like wow you mm-hmm. really were a brother from another mother i was like wow i really get that you know um it's fascinating to watch that. It's true. Yeah. And, you know, and 
And it's interesting. It's interesting when we're reminded of these gifts that we have and we're moving into, right? And um and moving with. But yeah, how the world will perceive it's like, no, Woody, you're actually a rock star. Like, you know, please own that. It's interesting how you can even put it off for as long as you want, but like it will become louder to the point where like they're screaming it at you. And I found that to be interesting. Like, I, that's what I mean. Like, God's always speaking to us. Like, it's kind mm. of funny, like, how, like, all right, maybe you're right. Like, finally, <laughs> you know? And, like, and they don't have to just be the soul family, like, our closest ones. Like, I've also found, like, the general public, like, that, that consumes your work. And it's just interesting how, you know, how they are accountability partners in a lot of ways. Um, and... If we don't surrender, full circle moment, if we don't mm -hmm. surrender to the very people who already see the potential from the output we're putting right into the into the world, um, but from whatever place we're still figuring out, but they've figured certain things out that we haven't yet because they're getting a feeling from what we're putting out. So they're actually able to see the bigger identity of who we really are. And we know that because they they reach out and mm -hmm. tell us some some things that I'm like. This is from God. Like I actually had that last Sunday with an interaction with a person where I, I, I was in my head. I was actually in my head on Saturday and Sunday. It was a really remarkable observation, <laughs> a spiral out of nowhere through some great shifts. And it's interesting. Two things happened. Not to, you know, I just wanted to share this with you. Two things happened. One was the license plate right up in front of me. I, like I'm, I'm literally in a surrender moment of like, you know what? I'm done. Like I, I, I'm numb. I'm numb on this. And I look up and the license plate next to me says zig for God. Like instead of like when all others zag, you zig, right? Like don't compare, mm -hmm. do this. I was like, huh. And then uh, this person, I don't know if she listens to the podcast or not, but um, what had shared one of my posts about it takes time. And, um, but shared it back like April 23rd. This is last Sunday. And I'm, I'm, I see the request and the hidden request. And I was like, oh, and I gave the thank you hands. And the conversation that ensued was similar to things I was praying on. Mm. And I'm like, God, <laughs> what is happening here? And she was having a tough day, but the words and the reflection right back and the words that she was using for me were, this is what I want for you. This is what's coming. This is like, I was very like, and it was on, only the things that I was thinking of, and I don't know who this person is. I, they're a stranger, but they're a soul family, as you'd say. I mm -hmm. like that. So mm -hmm. it shows us the interesting reflection sometimes, right, of, of what we may not even be seeing in that moment with ourselves, or, or we are, but we're unsure. <laughs> Something divine happens, and you're like, huh, got, got it. Thank you. You know, like, and, and I like the question. I, I like your statement of God. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was, it was, it was so wild. If I read it out loud, I, but I want to respect her. Um, but if I, I, <laughs> it was just like, and I was, and here's the thing, and and she used uh, like, and when you have this, you know, followers, it was like a random number, like the most random number, and I'm like, oh, okay, like I just did like the thank you so much, like you know, and I was true. It's like thank you so much, I really appreciate it. And she's like, no, I'm being serious. It was, it, it had this like, listen to me kind of tone i'm like thank you mm -hmm. you know like you could 
feel the person was basically like projecting right now this person was actually having a day but because i had complimented her using my post and about it takes time and like all this stuff it was so fascinating how like and and i think often uh, i love that you said um uh what happens if you invest in the people who invest in you you know the audience doesn't always realize as much as we're pouring our heart out and we're doing so many things to express ourselves and to connect with them sometimes they whether they think we're unapproachable or we're you know they say like oh i'm surprised you answered my terror that whatever it is you're like you don't understand like if the purpose was all along to do this for you this is an active participation on both of our parts like mm-hmm. you're telling me is actually like like i now get why underground acts made it <laughs> it was their og diehards who are like we love you because that growth that like they're the ones that keep us in the game a lot of times because they're also reminding us of why we started in the first place or like mm-hmm. or of things that we couldn't even see in ourselves yet like to your yours is a perfect example they see it and you're like no 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 and they're like listen listen like and they're hoping for it because they're seeing it in you and they're needing you to own it. That's what has like tripped me out over the last year and I'm like, "Oh shit." Mm-hmm. Like they're needing us to own it because it's important for them for and for the bigger picture. So I I it's interesting for me. It's a very like interesting it's not just accountability but it's also like conversations like I, I it's like God, it's it's all these different things happening, you know. I'm just like, "Huh." Yeah, what's funny like I'm, I'm very visual, but like the visual that's coming through when you're talking about that is like, you know, a mirror, right? So like, yeah. like, like a mirror and that represents our friends, but, but our friends can't take action for us. No. So, so what do they do? They represent the mirror. They reflect it back to us, but that mirror doubles as a doorway yeah. because then when they see stuff in us that we can't see in ourselves, they open that door Yeah. and it's up to us to step through it. Yeah. And I, it's that's that is a perfect visual. I remember when I the first time I really surrendered and, and wanted to, you know, write online and do all this stuff um, years ago, like in 2014. I remember uh, I had two. I've, I've said this a couple of times. Two really great close brothers, friends that uh, were like reminded me of that in the beginning. And it was interesting because like I I wasn't thinking about it any other way. And they're just like can you please just fucking run? Just let it fly. And I let it rip. And it was like eight, nine, ten years of stuff coming out. And this is, you know, before your mystical algorithms, all this. And I just saw like what you saw with YouTube, just this skyrocket. And I was like, well, that escalated quickly, Uh (laughs) you know, but (laughs) it's very like, but it just it just that that ability to, to when the mirror, the people who like sometimes we don't give ourselves permission. Right. And the mirror with the friends is reminding us to do so. They're giving us permission to walk through that door and be like, let's run. And it's funny when they're like, huh, finally, let's do this. Like run, you know, um, that's a really great analogy. What you said they're mm-hmm. a mirror that represents the doorway. It's, I mean, there's so many different um, benefits, I think, to also looking at a mirror as like an opportunity to check in with our soul. Um, I, I was writing a chapter in my book that, um, that I'm working on right now about stage presence, 
uh, about this time that I went to a Kundalini yoga event at UCLA without really knowing what I was getting involved in. And as I was, as I was sitting down, I got partnered with a woman who I didn't know. And we sat down and proceeded to do meditation together in a room with like 800 other people, but it wasn't just like a normal meditation. This was eye contact as a meditation. So it was called like white tantric yoga. And like, some people think that like tantra is like all about sex and stuff, but it's really not. It's, um, it's like white tantric yoga is like practicing masculine, feminine, um, a practice with each other. And I could be butchering that description. So someone can correct (laughs) me for sure. I've only done it once and I love it. I also love Kundalini yoga. I love Kriyas. I love all these trippy things. Um, they're the soul of my being, the core of my being, but I sat down with this woman and proceeded to do meditations, staring into her eyes for six hours. Mm. And it was like, I mean, they were broken up like 30 minutes here, 62 minutes here, 62 minutes here, and then 30 and then 62. And afterwards I felt like I was on drugs. I was just floating around, had this whole experience. Experience isn't important right now. All I'm sharing is that, you know, not only do people offer a reflection in the form of like, you know, connection, and seeing things we can't see in ourselves, but like mirrors exist within other people that we might not even know exist, right? Like you might meet someone on the street today and you might look at somebody or even have a conversation, or maybe you even just look at them. Maybe there's no conversation at all. And something happens that offers you the perspective of what's important. Mm. And, and only, you know what that is, but there's, there's mysterious stuff working around us at all times. So that makes it very important to treat other people the way we want to be treated, not, not as other people, but treat them as, as though we would want to be treated. But it, it, it turns back to the mirror reflection for me, because I really believe that like that, that old adage, the eyes are the windows of the soul. Yes. Right. And so they offer not only reflections back to us of other people's souls, but I really think that they're mirrors into our own soul. And, and so when we stare at other people, especially if you do it for a long period of time, profound things happen and it's on a soul level for us. And it's as if that that person is offering their window as a mirror for us to reflect Mm -hmm. and look at ourselves. And maybe it's not for you to stare at another human being or a stranger for six hours. Trust me. I don't even know if I'd sign up for that. Like, like it's, (laughs) it's, it's profound. I mean, I was high for like a month afterwards, so I definitely recommend it. It was amazing, but you can do it with a mirror in your bathroom just by looking at yourself mm-hmm. and you can stare into one of your eyes, do it for like a few minutes and trippy things start to happen. And it's, it's, it's beyond words cause it's an experience. But if you start adding words to that experience, you start mm-hmm. to, I think, program your subconscious mind. Mm-hmm. And that's how I started to work through um, kind of abundance blockages in my life around money and things like that to where I was doing mirror work where I was staring at myself and I was reciting these, these, meditations or mantras, however you want to look at them of just like, I have more than enough money, right? Or like, there's always enough money to share and to spare. Saying these things to myself in the form of a mirrored reflection was giving me the opportunity to check in with myself. And I really firmly believe it gives us the opportunity to all reprogram our mind and connect with our soul and in a very profound way, transform our lives. Mm -hmm. And so you don't need to have, you know, if like, the reason I feel called to share all this is, is because I know a lot of people struggle with finding soul family and finding people they can trust and finding the, you know, those people that are ride or die. Cause sometimes people are flakes and sometimes people talk shit and sometimes people aren't who they say they are. And it, it, and it's okay. We can do it for ourselves. 
until those people come into our lives. Which, they will, right? Doing what, it for, well, doing it for ourselves often does attract Truth those bomb. people. Truth bomb, right? So. Yeah, <laughs> not to cut you off, but that—that's no, it. Please. Because it, it, if becoming my own best friend has been a really great relationship, it sounds funny when you say it out loud, but we think we're our friends. We think we're our own friends. And I saw—I uh, forget which actor. Uh, I think he's a British actor, and I've said this before, but where he's talking about you ever have a friend that really fucked up, like has done really bad things. Like, I mean, whatever. And he's saying this at like Oxford university and like all the students are laughing. He goes, you know, and you're like, it'll be okay. You're fine. Yeah. You, you made a mistake. It's, I mean, and they could do like horrible things. He'd be like, you'll never do it again. I'm sure you're fine. Like you, you're so forgiving. You're so loving. You're so kind. He goes, you ever wonder why you don't have that same conversation with yourself while you're your own worst critic. And can you actually learn to really, have grace with yourself and have love with yourself and like actually really like bond with yourself that relationship it, with yourself is more fun than i think people allow once they really start to kind of get to know themselves you know and, and like or or afraid of doing it in the first place or they say like no i know myself i'm like have you really really do you do you do you have you really been like hey that was that was pretty cool what you did there. Like, that's actually, you did a good job on that. Like, oh, thank you. You know, like, yeah, I know how that sounds. But then, but think about it. Sol it solidifies your core. Somebody attacks. Hey, we didn't like that. I'm like, oh, really? What did you like about it? I, I actually really did. You're not easily swayed. You're not easily manipulated. You're not easily like, and, and you're in flow. Like, oh, well, what didn't you like about it? Well, I'm feeling this. I'm feeling that. Like, first of all, why are you yelling? What's going on in your world? I'd love to know what's happening right now. I mean, it fucks with people <laughs> because they're like, I can't tell if you're messing with me. I'm like, no, but like, you seem like a little upset. Like, what's going on? Like, let's talk about that. Cause like, I'm going to know about me before you and anybody else. I'm checking in by the second. You can't tell me about me if I'm self-aware. Unless you're offering a critique either I asked for or an observation and I'm opening and I'm open to it and I'll then decide based on me checking in with myself all the time, where is that really coming from for you? And if it's something I need to listen to, you know? So it's an interesting thing to, to have that, that, that friendship with ourselves. Right. You know, it's yeah, like, for sure. So I, I well, it's like, it's like we're sometimes our own best company or like our yeah. worst enemy, yeah. but like, I, don't, I mean, I don't know if that ever like becomes a thing you figure out, right? Like you're talking about a couple of days ago, you were going through it. Like literally like, last week I was going through it just yeah. being like, you know, is anyone going to read a book that I'm writing? Am I a phony? Right. Uh, like, you know, like are, are people going to come to the, the book tour that I'm booking in Europe? Like I've never done this before. Like, yeah. like do, do, is anyone going to care? You know, it's yeah. like that kind of stuff I think comes that comes down to the relationship we have with ourselves yeah. and like how it's not ever going to be perfect. Right. And you know, it's okay. It's, it's, you're, you're, you're going to do battle in your mind and, that, that's kind of how I looked at stage a lot of times is like when I would go on stage, it was like me having the opportunity to go to battle with my mind. And when I was like screaming songs in, in people's faces, mind you, I'm not a vocalist, um, at least at this point in my life, but like I, I would sing along and scream in people's faces to like feel the energy and connect with them and to like almost be just a, I wanted to be a representation of what was possible and to kind of tell my own negative mind to, to, to just fuck off 
because sometimes that's what we got to do. And it will lead to more positive relationships with ourselves. Not saying you got to do that all the time to yourself. It's not great to go tell yourself to F off all the time, but like it, it can be a technique into developing a stronger relationship with yourself and not taking everything so damn personally. Well, whether, you know, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say whether it's with other people or it's with ourselves. Because sometimes we take our internal dialogues way too seriously, and we think that the negative's true, um, and and sometimes we take what other people say as truth, and it's not, especially the negative stuff. Like, well, like how often do we dwell on one negative comment when we have like hundreds of positive ones, but we remember the negative one. It's like we're prone to, for some reason to remember the negative shit. So, the practice of observing when this comes up, realizing it's going to be a fluctuation then helps to us to become the observer, the watcher of these thoughts, these emotions, this almost like duality of our mind. Um, but I think it's really just a relationship. And so kind of going back to that like radical expression idea of like surrendering to whatever could be possible allows for a lot more meaningful experiences because you're not thinking you have to be a certain way or the version of you in your head has to be a certain way or that person because we're surrendering. And it's really beautiful. Um, again, a practice that's not perfect and not easy, no. but we can certainly make our practices reflect how we want to live and we can keep showing up and keep doing battle with our mind in a way that it doesn't have to be like you get the guns and the swords and then like, you know, brute force, <laughs> right. you know, like you can sit and find peace and have a conversation and, and that can be like, you know, your own battle. But, um, that's just that it's just the way that I've looked at it because sometimes it fluctuates. And I think the more that we practice this kind of stuff, this, this watching that roller coaster, it starts to like slightly even out, or at least we can get off the roller coaster and look at the car go up and down. <laughs> so we don't attach so much to it. The self-awareness um, really will lead you to a, a whole other dimension of yourself and observation, as you were saying, you know, when the mind, I heard something recently uh, from one of my best friends, when the mind, um, gets a little um uh, away from you and is really like i mean it's working hard on you against you you might be disconnected from the heart mm. so how in that moment can you reconnect back with your heart now for anybody listening you know the the heart is is truth it's honesty it's love it's it's i think sometimes um you know modern society and you know the whole like the heart you know and lovey-dovey it's like it's actually your truth. It's 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 what's real. It's and it and it's and it's infinite and it's uh loving and it's kind of empathetic and it's but it's also your truth. Like what you're really here to do. What's really happening, not necessarily what your mind might be like messing with you on. And if those two are disconnected, if you're disconnected from your heart in that moment, stop and be like, why am I disconnected from my heart right now? And what's some things that I can do to get back into? It? And you brought up gratitude as one. I do prayer. I do meditation. I do movement and mobility and exercise. I do like whatever it might be when I feel like I'm disconnected from my heart. And, and for anybody, listen, I mean, it, this shit's real. Like with the mental stuff, like, I mean, you said you dealt with it last week. I mean, I was, if anybody really knew how far my mm -hmm. mind went, I was like, are you all right? Like I was like thinking to myself, like, I, talk about the mirror, by the way, by the way, I have done the exercise of looking into somebody else's eyes. Um, a couple of times, the longest I think was about 10, 15 minutes though. I didn't do six hours. Wow. By the way, six hours. Cause I know what you're talking about in 15 minutes. Whew, like there's a soul. Like you're like, uh, <laughs> I have a habit of making others cry for some reason, but I mean, they, out of, they, they're saying that it's all out of like, Oh my God, love. Like, you know, this certain, 
you know, it's a it's profound like, reflection, right? Yeah, there. yeah. They're just like, <laughs> like after about five minutes, I'm averaging. I mean, you see the tears streaming, uh, but um, but even to yourself, yeah. Like I was like last week, I'm like, are you all right, dude? Like, what is going on? Like, are you all right? Like, let's. I think we need to we need to we need to pump the brakes. To your point, or it's like, how do you um, well, tell it to fuck off, you know? It's not real is the main point. Right. It's Great just point. not yes. real. It's just not real. Or even if there's elements of like it using something real and then making it your issue, but does it have to be your issue? Because it's whatever belongs to other people belongs to other people and whatever belongs to you belongs to you. But anything bad is never really bad. It's just a perception of what we may be actually feeling in that moment. Um, and, uh, and you know, your, your thing was, you know, maybe, um, with the imposter or with like, who's going to show up for this, whatever that mine was comparison. I, and I don't, and I don't do comparison. It's been a minute. Um, and I, I went in it and I was comparing a lot of different, really good things and not so good things. <laughs> and I'm just like, it's time to get, just remember the lane that you're in and drive it mm -hmm. hard and ground in it, you know? Um, so, and I, and I, by the way, I wanted to share that with you, but on a, podcast, on a podcast, because like, I, yeah. I, cause I think people don't think that we deal with this stuff. Like you're like last week, last weekend for me, like, I love the people hearing this. So they can be like, all right, well, these guys go through it. It's like, yeah, that's what I try to, I love when people on online, when I write and they're like, how are you in my head? I'm like, cause I'm you. <laughs> like, cause we go it's through so the same shit. <laughs> Yo, my same, my same version of that. When people ask, like, how did you know that? How is this the right message at the right time? If I share something, it's because I'm sharing stuff usually that I'm going through. Yeah. And because we're all connected and yeah. we're all going through, we might have our own personal yeah. experiences, but we're all connected. So we all have a shared experience. So it's like, you're not alone. Yeah. Not, not alone at all. And when you do your, when you do what you have done with your content and with your work and with your creativity, they feel that. That's th that's the underlying thing that's actually happening is that's what's making the tribe online. That's what's making the connections and the and through the content is like, I feel like Woody gets me. It's like, yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> Been going through, still going through it. Here's what because happened. because I kind of get myself. Yeah, it's exactly and 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 that's all it is really because yeah. I mean we can spend all the time we want in the books, all the time we want learning, doing all these things. But when it comes down to the experience of life, I really feel like personally, it's, you know, yeah. it's a matter of going inward. Yeah. It's a matter of doing you. And I don't know if we ever fully figure it out, but the constant returning to learn about us is, is how I think we create the experience of awareness and the experience that is like more profound in, in the moment. And then therefore make people cry when we look at them yeah. <laughs> my, from a good way. <laughs> my, my, my father, you always said like the same God rest his soul. when he'd say, um, uh, you know, I don't think we ever really figured it out. He'd be like, I'll let you know when I'm dead. <laughs> I'm like way to soul travel pop. I love it. And he's like, you know, cause you're always learning. You're always, you're always on. We'll never stop. And okay. you'll know a, 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 a material end point would just be in the physical world, but the soul keeps going, right? Mm. What do you, yeah. uh, by the way, we're, we're, we're heading in for the record. We're at about an hour 40. So thank no you. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I know. Right? Well, thanks Great. to anyone who's still here. Right. Yeah. Uh, they listen. That. That's, that's the best part. I just, I didn't want, I, I, I knew it going in, um, but I think you're about to cross the record. So, um, but wow. I, I want to ask you, what, so you're working on your third book. What do you got coming yes. up? Anything you want to share with the book or with other things going on? Um, 
Yeah, I'm working on right now. I'm, I'm going to be releasing. The plan right now is in June. I kind of set a very ambitious release date to uh, drop my third book, You Are the Rockstar Stage Presence for Life. And I'm currently working on that, finishing it up, going to record the audio book later this month, and then do an online course for it as well, which will be a lot more kind of like practices for people to use to get into their body. It's not just like yoga. It's, it's going to be like kind of like principles of movement applied to our life, as well as like mentality, um, just like how we can increase our awareness, how we, we can become more powerful um, on like an internal level so we can own every single stage of our life because it's not just stepping onto a stage at like a festival it's legitimately every single moment we are performing in some format how can we do that in the greatest capacity and so i'm really excited for that i'm gonna be filming that at the end of this month into june mm. um, and then i'm doing a book tour for that book at the end of june across europe which i'm very excited about I haven't been over there since 2019 um, because of, because of the, the the world events, and I'm really excited. I was able to surrender. Um, yeah, I was I, I was will I was meeting resistance at first, and then I surrendered into it. I asked for some help, and um, what was really cool, kind of going back a little bit to what I said before about um, you know that question that I asked of what would happen if I invested in the people that invested in me. And what really has been interesting to notice is a lot of people that I've invested in that have come to my yoga meetups, my mindful meditations, my um, goal setting workshops, whatever you want to call them at coffee shops, parks, or yoga studios across the globe for the last five to seven years, they've been coming out of the woodwork and helping me book it. So I've been having a bunch of people um, that are now, I kind of, I kind of always treated our fans like they were friends which kind of sometimes got to the point where I was like, okay, I need to create a boundary. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, I know that but, one uh, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but I would, for the most part, treat them like humans and on top of that friends. And so I have a lot of them who are either like a part of a book club that I do on um, usually weekly where I share chapters of the books. I'm, I'm writing to get reflections from them. Um, I've had somebody help me with the, the booking of the actual tour um, kind of with like some boots on the ground of like what I have to do for like travel across Europe and um, and then other people looking up studios, like the whole tour is going to be at yoga studios, mm. which I'm stoked about. So we're going to talk about stage presence, like I said before, in regards to our lives, um, but they're going to be in beautiful settings and it's going to be really, really limited cap. We're going to have probably like maybe like 18 to 22 people mm -hmm. at, at all of these. And we're going to just do this experiment on another level in more of a controlled environment. And we're going to go deep and we're going to share some music, some stuff I've been writing. We're going to do some internal work, some sharing. Maybe we'll stare at each other. I don't know. Um, <laughs> we're going to feel it out, but I'm really excited for that. And, um, and then eventually to do the same thing in the U S later this year. Um, and then hopefully a retreat, um, because that is what I've learned, um, is, you know, part of the reason I'm here is to create the space for people to do the work and to allow, like kind of guide them mm. and not necessarily guide them anywhere besides you know, home, like home to themselves mm. and, and just create the space for that, that opportunity to happen. So whether it's through books or, or through connections like this on, on a podcast, I think we're all here to kind of guide each other home yeah. and just remember why we're here. So, so that's really what I want to just keep curating the space and invest in other people. And, um, and I really just feel like it's part of our soul's evolution and like, you know, before we end this, what was coming through when you were speaking a few moments ago was something that like, I don't really share a lot with people because it's a little bit trippy. Um, 
but that's who I am. And so like a really firm belief that I have is, is kind of, it, it's come from a realization that I got, um, from, from meditating and just observing life. But, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of people would say that we're in like a cross between like a three-dimensional reality and a four-dimensional reality. And I don't really know which one we're in, but I just know that if you look at it from an energy perspective and our energy centers from that perspective, we have a bunch of chakras and they're, they're like, you know, there's, there's a lot of chakras when you talk about it, but we have seven main ones that most people know about. And the third one is the, the belly area, our solar plexus. Mm -hmm. And that energy center is responsible for our life path and our self-confidence and our direction. And I really feel like, you know, if you were to compare our reality in this experience right now, in this moment of a three-dimensional reality, what are we trying to figure out right now? We're trying to figure out who we are. We're trying to figure out a life path. We're trying to figure out why we're here. And, and what you said earlier about it being about love and coming back to love. Well, guess what the next chakra up is? The, heart. the fourth one is your heart. Mm-hmm. Which, right. Which so governs all the others. Yeah. It is the most powerful one. Mm-hmm. Love is the most powerful frequency. And, and so to think about it from a dimensional reality perspective, and I'm not saying this is right, but this is kind of something that I put my faith into that. I believe we're here to learn lessons and we're here to evolve. And whether people are in our lives, like we said earlier, for like the, the reason season or a lifetime, they're all offering us, offering us reflections to work on ourselves. Now, when we choose to surrender into love, and to make decisions that are based upon love. I think we graduate from this place and it doesn't matter necessarily knowing all the time where we're going. It really doesn't. It, it doesn't matter about, you know, what your life path is or all these things. It's about how you make people feel, how you keep showing up and how you move into love. And I think that is how we evolve and go from, from an energy perspective, we go from the third chakra to the fourth. And of course we got a bunch of them, but that's how we, that's how we make that next evolutionary step up is to make more decisions out of love. And then I think we enter into more of a four dimensional reality, which is, you know, again, a lot of people might say we're moving into a fifth dimensional reality, but that's just the way that I look at it is like, we're moving more into love and to a conscious place of making decisions with our heart center. And that's who I choose to surround myself with in my life are people that are making those same decisions. And that's how I think we transform the planet. And we have no choice. I think that's the, the that's the beauty of what heals. You know, um, I also heard very great advice about the issue with picking apart your traumas, right? Mm-hmm. Um, great self awareness has kicked in. You've done the ayahuasca. You've done the shamans. You've done the religious. You know, whatever, all this stuff. And you know, why do I do this? And God, how can I get that better? And oh, now I did this. No, now I'm going to pick apart this from the, my childhood, and I'm going to pick apart this. Did you know, technically, you can bypass all of that with the heart. The heart and making decisions from the heart actually end up eradicating all of it. So instead of picking yourself apart and constantly, you know, and and nothing to the people who are doing the the trauma work. And I I get it. And, you know, maybe you do want to have an understanding and a self-awareness of like why those things happen. But careful staying in it too long because you can then keep kind of going in a, in a circle, in a cycle, the heart actually dismantles all of it. Because when you start grounding constantly in your heart and utilizing it, 
true. So like the things that you used to, you know, I, and I, I said this to this, this woman when she was asking about, you know, uh, in regards to relationships, you know, kind of stuck in that, like, oh, no, I saw that this happened to me and then this happened to me. And I was like, cool, let's actually use the heart real quick. I'm like, what didn't you like about those situations? And she's like, all these things. I'm like, great. So do you know what you would want? She's like, yes. And I'm like, do you ground in those things? And she's like, no. And I was like, so maybe do those things and also recognize, just like what you said, recognize if other people are doing them and be willing to have the honest conversation. Hey, so when you meet a man or you say, hey, um, these are some things that are my values. And this is what's really, really strong to me and, and why I hold these to be very, very important. If they don't move in that manner, there's nothing to say to them and there's nothing also convince them either. They're just a person passing along as a reminder for you to stay in your heart. And so you say, you know what? I don't think this is gonna work, but thank you very much. Um, you know, and you'll be great. You'll, whatever it is you want, I'm sure, you know. Moving the heart constantly makes us be honest. And when we're honest, we have less of the traumas we keep cycling in our life mm -hmm. and all the things that keep happening from very honest, loving, conversations by knowing how you want to be treated by knowing your values by knowing what you want by respecting yourself and like and not worrying about what the other person is going to say and also not tacking the other person right back <laughs> automatically with your own like past which comes up the heart solves it all the heart actually dismantles a lot of the traumas and a lot of the issues and how starts having us actually move more in the direction of our life path completely mm -hmm. in our life path actually to your point so I, I love the heart chakra. And you're, by the way, that's anybody listening, Woody's 100% right. There's like a bunch of chakras. <laughs> you know, we only yeah. usually know the seven or 10, you know, whatever. But um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, like, there's a ton, like yeah. so many more. I, I recently learned that there's like, okay, right? I didn't know there's that many. We, like, we get chakras all over our body and every right? single joint and every yeah. single space. Wild, yeah. yeah. I learned that. I learned that like late, uh, early last year in like February. I'm like, I had no idea. <laughs> and we were going through like all of them on this retreat. I was like, wow. You know, it's incredible. And it's, you know, it's interesting to know how we have the blockages at, well, how we can, we're using all of them at different capacities, right? Um, and, but it's interesting about where the things come up in the lower ones <laughs> and then how we exercise our throat chakra. That's always a fun one. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And how they're connected. How they're all connected and how they're all working with each other. And then uh, learning that the, the heart chakra is actually governing um, the flow of all of them and like getting them in alignment, whatever, but we have to really exercise this one strongly. So, which I mean, it really makes you wonder. It's like, okay, cool. So clearly if this one governs the rest of them, then we would probably want to focus on that one. <laughs> now, why would we want to focus on that one? Well, you know, okay. Uh, there's no right answer there, but I would like to say that is probably because that's how we evolve. Right. And if that's the strongest one and we need to pay the most attention to it, then like, at least that's where my mind goes. I'm just kind of like the most, pro what was that? I said a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the most profound experiences yeah. I've had in my life were from my heart. And I know if anyone's listening, it can be like, well, how do I act from the heart? How do I do this from the heart? Like, what does it mean? Cause I, unless you experience it, it's, it's, uh, it, it's a difficult thing to pinpoint. Cause you're like, oh yeah, cool. Just like, you know, move the energy to your like throat chakra. It's like, well, how the <laughs> hell do I do that? Right. You know, like we, we don't actually know, but we can make a decision and ask ourselves if what we are choosing is something that is of a, a higher excitement for us. Um, and, and that's a great, it, it's a great technique. Um, not saying you got to like go jump out of an airplane cause it's gonna make yeah, you feel exciting. I mean, right. you, you can, if you want, but right. it's just making conscious decisions 
and checking in with yourself to be like, okay, cool. Is this decision something that's leading me towards like a level of excitement, something that, that I want to represent in my life? Like, is it something that I'm proud of? Is it something like you know, just asking these, yeah. these internal questions? Cause it eventually it leads you down that path to uh, being able to be like, Oh, okay, cool. Now, I, now I get it. I always tell people like, um, be honest and kind at the same time. Mm. And, um, because it took me a while to, to learn that not a while, but like, because I, I have people like, no, I've used my heart. Like I got hurt so bad. I'm like, mm, lower chakra. are <laughs> <laughs> like, huh? And I'm like the heart's truth. The heart's actually unconditional. If you heard something you didn't like, well, yeah, your ego might be hurt. But like, or if you got rejected or it's not for you or whatever, if you're in your heart unconditionally in truth, you'd be like, you know what? I'm disappointed it's not for me, but I want it to go wherever it's supposed to go. I want you to be with whoever you're supposed to be with. I want the job to be a, whoever gets the job. I want, you know, like you're grounding in your heart, in the truth unconditionally. Mm-hmm. but also with kindness, but, but it's also honesty. Like, Hey, you know what? Um, I don't actually, I don't like being spoken to that way. I don't, that's, that's disrespectful. I'm not meaning anything against you. I just, I don't really like being talked to that way, you know, because I, I know that I'm pretty sure you wouldn't want to be talked to that way either. That's love. Right, People don't right. think that's love. They think that that's conflict. And I say, that's truth. When mm. you can speak that way, because you're, what you're saying is like, like if somebody's like yelling, screaming, attacking, you'd be like, listen, I'm happy to work on this with you, but I do need you to lower your voice because you attacking me is not going to solve the problem. And I certainly don't want to be on the other end of that attack. But it's our nervous system that's kicking in the moment people attack and come at us. And then like our other chakras, if, you know, whatever, we get out of our heart, we go right into our head or right into our ego or whatever, or like, you know, or a lower chakra, I should say really for that, but like whatever it might be. And, we, and the moment we come out of our heart, boom, we're disconnected, right? And so it's an mm-hmm. interesting thing. It's an interesting observation. So even when I see people yell, I'm like, you know, I'll, I leaning in and saying like, look, let's deal with it. Or look, let's have this conversation. Or look, you know, you need to, you need to pump the brakes a little bit. Like, you know, or I won't even use the word you. I'll be like, listen, like I, I'm not digging like you talking to me that way, but I, I'm wanna, I want to work this out with you. But that's, you know, I don't, I don't get spoken to that way. And I certainly won't do that to you. So therefore, like versus attack, because weirdly enough, you do this, you do this, you do this. I also learned in like, you don't ever want to criticize from a you, 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 you hear this a lot in relationships. Don't go you, 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 you say like, hey, I'm feeling this. You know, here's what this is coming from. You know, I'd like to discuss that with you and, you know, et cetera. Like, otherwise, if we're attacking and criticizing, defense mechanisms go up mm-hmm. and instantly we get a... um a uh, contrasting, you know, kind of communication going on, right? So, all that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> Dude, we could do a podcast on that on flipping the finger, flipping the finger on yourself could right. be the next podcast because, right. like, that's I mean, <laughs> exactly, just flip that thing because a lot of times we like to think it's the other, but the other is just a part of us. And oh yeah, it's super hard to hear sometimes because people do some shady shit, and it just yeah. is what it is. But like, how we respond to that is right. what is a testament to where we're at. And also yeah. like if that person is going to experience their own level of karma or if yeah. we are going to enter into their karma, which karma just means action. So if we're going to enter into their actions and yep. kind of fall into it, or if we're going to stand in our power, like you were just saying, and just be like, no, I'm in integrity. Yeah. And, and that I really think is also just to kind of go off of what you were saying, how to stay in the heart center, oh. come from integrity. <laughs> it's like, just come from integrity as, as the best you can. If you're honest yeah. with someone, do it. Like, yeah. it's like, 
step into that so that you can be, yeah. and then you don't have to worry about as much stuff because you're, you're creating what, what I would say is like creating the space, but, but really you're just allowing people to like hear you and then the opportunity to communicate exists right there because you've curated that space. But again, we, we can talk about this for right. another whole podcast. And we will, dude. I'm, we will. I'm, we'll, I'm game, I'm game. Well, this leads me to two things. Number one, I always tell the guests, hey, it's a journey-driven podcast, so things are constantly changing. Uh, you're welcome to come back on a month from now, two months from now, a year from now, however, whenever you whenever you feel called to it, uh, I'll probably still ping you and say, hey, why don't you come on like in a month from now? <laughs> Anyways, cool. but you're in, you're in your flow for your book right now, but we can talk about that dynamic but we'll have a bunch of other topics too. But uh, yeah, man. Um, and then the other question I was going to say, or the other thing, uh, the first one really wasn't a question, but um, where can everybody find you like online and everything that you've got going on? Yeah, best place um, is Instagram, just at Woody Woodrow right there with the best spot. And if you want any information about my book or the tour that I'm doing, just go to youarethrockstar.com. Nice. Um, or if it's easier to remember, woodywoodrow.com brings you to the same place. So um, both of those places are awesome. I'm also on Twitter here and there and um, and Facebook. If you search Woody Woodrow, you'll find me. But, um, but Instagram's the best and just check out that website um, to pre-order my book. Um, I'm doing like a thing right now where I'm just, um, I'm giving away an ebook for everyone that pre-orders. Um, just to make sure that it's like, you know, it's giving and um, yeah, just because I really want people to at least have the opportunity to step into this, this idea, right, of like every moment being a stage and like, it's not about like, it's not about like, the stage of like rock and roll as much as it's about meeting those things in your life that seem to challenge you with a perspective that those are opportunities for you to fully own your presence. And mm -hmm. I've been doing a deep dive into what the hell presence is. And it has been a trip. I feel like I'm like on psychedelic sometimes when I'm researching <laughs> this stuff, because I'm like, what right now, this is so wild. I, I had a conversation with uh, Scott Page from Pink Floyd the other day, and he just rocked my world. I was like, oh my gosh, you could be a psychologist, bro. He was talking about, you know, how to become the watcher and like how presence is like the most important thing we have because it's tied to consciousness and our ability to be in the moment. Cause that's all we have. We have no other thing besides this moment there's no other moment no past no no future it's all here and our mind likes to put us in those places the past and the and, and the future and and when we observe that through feelings in our body and question it like you said earlier because it's not real then it helps us to come into the present moment so i'm really excited to share that with people so if if anyone is um feeling called based upon the stuff that we've been talking about a lot of it um I kind of deeper dive into it in my book, but I just can't wait to come back and chat because this has been so fun and super organic, bro. So thanks for, uh, thanks for opening the space. Absolutely. Uh, you're incredible, brother. I, I love, I love hearing about the journey. I love our conversations. <laughs> so we'll, we'll start a series, you know, uh, and, uh, we'll, so we'll, we'll do a few here, like <laughs> part one, two, three, ten. Um, <laughs> for everybody listening, you can go to, uh, at Woody Woodrow on Instagram. That'll lead you to everything else. And you are the rockstar.com will lead to everything you need to know with uh, the books. And, um, we appreciate you listening to us talk for, uh, we're at an hour and 57. So boom, he hit the record. I told him he was about wow. to hit the record and he, he clearly was like, let's go for the record. <laughs> so, uh, so if you've made it this far, we appreciate you. I I'm actually, I I'm constantly, I love you guys because, 
Um, I was always wondering if people would listen all the way to the end, and you do. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm, I'm trying. Like, I, I love Joe Rogan, and I listen to mm, an hour and a half. If I, you know, I'll leave it on while I'm doing maybe some work or on a road trip. But he's like three and a half hours. So, like, the fact that you guys make it like on these hour and a half and two hours, like, that's love. I really appreciate and respect you guys. But hopefully, it's also because the conversation's like, you know, we're you're here with us, and and we appreciate you and. Uh, so thank you guys for constantly tuning in and for the ratings and the reviews and the love and uh, for Woody, for myself, for the hustles separately. We are out.